Welcome back to Unsolved South. I'm Michelle. I'm Maddie. Hope everybody had a great week. Did you have a good week? I did, I did. Exciting things happening for me. I'm very happy to hear that. Um, we took a week off because we had some life issues going on, but we're back. So Yay, we're back. This is part two of the um, last episode we did. Which, I say it's part two, but it's it doesn't really matter if you haven't listened to the last one yet. Um, this is its own story. It's just along the same lines. So, are you ready to get in? I am ready. Okay. And next week, I'm going to do something more fun. I'm so excited. Um, mm-hmm. But this week, we're going to go a little heavy again. Okay. So, um, I was up late writing this story and at some point for no particular reason I changed Bethany to Brittany oh and then I started alternating between the suspects middle and first name and I think I went back and corrected them all okay but if I say the wrong name that's what that's about so if you say Brittany you mean Bethany right because the lady's name is Bethany Ann Decker but for I mean no apparent reason I just started writing Brittany and then I realized when I went back to change hers I realized that I I had called the guy two different things through the entire thing too Oh, but that was his first and middle name, and I was just alternating them, and I was like, I, for no reason whatsoever, mm. this happened. Anyway, so if I say the wrong name, that's why I just ignored you know who I'm talking about. Okay, so the year 2011 started out kind of strained for 21-year-old college student Bethany Ann Decker. On top of her studies at George Mason University, where she um, was almost done, she was also four months pregnant with her second child. Her other child was a one-year-old son that she shared with her husband, Emil Decker. They lived in Loudoun County, Virginia, but Emil was active duty reservist and he was on deployment to Afghanistan. They had been having some issues in their marriage, and while he was deployed, Bethany had began an affair with another man. And she allowed this man, Ronald, to move into her apartment while her husband was gone. Oh. So, it isn't clear who the father of the baby was, but Ronald was most likely the father um, given that they were dating and the husband was deployed. Yeah. I mean, he could have come home to visit and little something, something, but it looks like Ronald was probably the father. He's the most likely candidate. He had at least four other kids with three other women. Wait, so this is his fifth kid? Yeah, so he's super fertile so (laughs) also that makes him um a good candidate for this okay so he had met bethany when they ran into each other in the neighborhood they just bumped into each other and so she started helping him with his other kids when he needed it and um during this time one of his other children died of SIDS while the child was in his care and so she stepped up to really step in and help him grieve and handle the other kids so they got close according to Bethany's mother Bethany herself had described Ronald as controlling her family suspected he was more than just controlling In fact, when Bethany's son, Kai, got a black eye around um, his first birthday, they suspected Ronald, but they couldn't prove anything. Oh, my goodness. Her parents begged her to leave Ronald. Bethany said the relationship was over, but he wouldn't leave the apartment. And her parents responded, leave your stuff, go. Your life is more important. Which was very good advice. Yes. 
they helped her change her phone number, but Ronald bought her a new phone. Her what? parents. Wait. Yeah. Ronald bought her a new phone. She tried. Okay. She tried to change her number so that she could get away from Ronald, but right. then he bought her a new phone. Right. And I suppose she took it because, like a lot of abused women, it's easy to fall for. I'm just stressed out. It won't happen again. I'm so sorry. We can make this work. But did she have a history of being abused? Like, was the husband abusive? No, I don't. I've not seen anything at all to... So um, then she's going from a pretty decent relationship. Well, they were having issues, so I don't... Just because he's not abusive doesn't mean he was a good husband. I don't know what was going on in the relationship. But you don't have to pop somebody in the mouth to to be a bad husband. True. He could have been a cheater himself. He could have been a drug addict. He could have... And I don't know any of those things to be true when he was in the military. And I assume... I mean, I don't really know. I don't know why I don't know. But I would guess they would... Would have said it. Yeah. It would have been in his disciplinary record, is my guess. And there was nothing in his disciplinary record to... um, to make you believe he was abusive or a drug addict or anything of the sort. And, um, but Ronald was, and the parents are trying to get her out of it. They are like, you need to leave, you need to go, leave the apartment, leave your stuff, leave everything, get out. And she is at first on board with this, but then it's it seems like she keeps kind of getting sucked back into his his world. And there is the baby to consider. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure by this point she's gotten close with his other kids because she's been babysitting them. Yeah. So that all probably plays into this. So... Her parents, though, thought that everything had reached ahead when Kai's daycare called and said that they had received a strange call from someone pretending to be a meal. So, someone called the daycare pretending to be the child's father, who is deployed in Afghanistan. Oh, my goodness. They got so scared that they went directly to the daycare. They set up a code word to prevent anybody from picking him up without knowing this code word. They put a plan in place because they were terrified that this man was going to take a meal. And, I mean, I'm sorry, Kai. And they were positive that Ronald did this. Yeah, I mean, very likely. Despite the problems they were having in their marriage and the fact that she was still living with another man, when Emil returned on leave in January, he and Bethany took a vacation to Hawaii together to try to work on their marriage. Oh, best wedding counseling ever. Marriage counseling, I mean, sorry. I I work as a (laughs) wedding planner, so I got weddings on the brain. (laughs) Best uh, marriage counselor (coughs) ever. So, Hawaii. Um, yeah, Hawaii seems like a pretty good place I to work I think I need things. marriage counseling in Hawaii right now. You think? <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> things seemed to be going well when they returned. And on the night of January 28th, they were laughing. They were making pizza together. And all of a sudden, Bethany just left. Left? Yep, she just left. She did she check her phone and then leave, or did she just like a meal? Did ha, not ha, know. Dropped a pizza and left the room. Assumably, she checked the phone or got some type of message. He did not witness that. Okay. So what he knows is, but you know how men are sometimes. Yeah. Um, no offense to any men listening, but sometimes they're not the most um, observant of creatures, and so. She could have been hinting at something right. and then got mad. Exactly. She's not reading her mind. And so... Been there, done that. What <laughs> he knew was they were making pizza, they were having a good time joking around, and then she's like, I gotta go. <laughs> and she was gone. And so, 
he was confused. On January 29th, the following day, Bethany called her job at Caraba's Italian Grill to see if she could pick up an extra shift that night. She had been trying to put back money and pay off bills and stuff in preparation for the baby. Mm-hmm. And so she was wanting to pick up extra shifts, and, and she did do that occasionally. A co-worker recalled that he actually did speak to Bethany, and her phone records confirmed that she did make the call, or that a call was made from her phone. Her work agreed to let her take the extra shift, but then she never showed up. Is this the same day? This was the day after the pizza. Okay. So the day after the pizza, the next day, I said that earlier, focus. Sorry. She calls her work and says, hey, do you have any extra shifts I can pick up tonight? Yeah. And she spoke to a co-worker and they said, yeah, we got a shift. You can come on in. So, you know, she's, this is the plan and she never shows up. So on that same day, Ronald was at the apartment. He left the apartment. He went and withdrew cash from the ATM. Then he received a text from one of his baby mamas, Danielle. And she reminded him that he was supposed to watch the two kids they shared together. So he went back to the apartment to meet Danielle and get the kids. And Danielle asked where Bethany was And Ronald said she left. And that was that. Hmm. During this time, Ronald sent two texts to Bethany's phone. One before he got back to let her know he was going back so he could get his kids. And then one after the ex left the kids saying that he had them. It's not clear if she ever got these messages because the last time her phone was used was shortly after 1 p.m. And these were sent around 3 p.m. So nobody's even sure if she saw those messages. A few days later, Danielle comes back to pick up the kids. Remember Danielle's baby mama. Right. She comes back to pick up the kids and she's like, where's Bethany? And according to her, Ronald said she never came back. Danielle says, well, her car is still in the parking lot in the same spot. And he did not offer a reasonable explanation as to why that was. So, this rings alarm bells for her. Yeah. On February 4th, Emil has to return to Afghanistan. And he was hoping that Bethany would be there to see him off at the airport. Because he felt like they had put in some good work on their marriage. And she never showed up. But given the issues they were having, he didn't really see it as a red flag. He thought maybe, he thought they were working things out. Maybe she felt differently. Around February 16th, Emil and some of Brittany's family, they start getting some messages from her Facebook messenger. And these messages just don't sound like Brittany. Wait, Bethany. so Emil is not concerned at all that she's just dropped her kids and left? What do you mean? Emil is the dad. Yes. And Bethany just leaves one night and leaves her kids. Right. And he's not kids. concerned. They only have the one. Okay, he's not concerned that she just didn't come back for that kid he doesn't, he's just going to go to Afghanistan, not knowing where she is, not well, knowing who's going to be taking care of the kids. Her parents um, did a lot of helping with with Kai. And I don't know that Kai was actually there when they were making the pizza and stuff. That was when they came back from Hawaii. Yeah. And I'm not sure that they had gotten him back yet. Because they were trying to work on their marriage. And if you're in her parents' position... And she's married to this guy, you know, who seems like a decent guy. And then she's dating this dude that seems like a douche. And if she's like, I'm going to go and try to work things out with my husband, you're going to be like, well, let me keep that baby so y'all can have some time to focus on your marriage. So I don't think that's that out of the ordinary 
And I don't know that they didn't talk the next day. They may have. He okay. just didn't mention it. Because remember, the next day, somebody actually did talk to her. Yeah. So, she was alive as far as we know the next day, at least. Yeah. So, but I don't think it's that odd that they may have had time alone where the baby wasn't even around. Because this was a one-year-old. Yeah. He's not letting you get a lot of talking done. Right. And so, and the parents from their position were probably like, yeah, let us keep him and let y'all have some discussions because they want her away from Ronald. Yeah. So, but he has to go back to Afghanistan. He he has no option in that. And, I mean, this is just like three days later. So... He thought she would come to the airport. She didn't. He just assumed that maybe he felt like they were making progress that she obviously didn't feel they were making. Yeah. So that's where he went with that. As far as her parents, I'm not sure why they didn't. I mean, And they probably were like, you know, where is she at? But just weren't getting answers. I mean, we've seen on several of these cases that the police are like, well, she's grown. And maybe they didn't talk every day. Yeah. But I assume that they had her kid, so I don't really know. Um, That's a good question because this is like two weeks later, so I honestly don't know. Anyway, around February 16th, Emil and some of Brittany's family and friends start getting messages from her on Facebook Messenger. And these messages just do not sound like Bethany at all. So, they got suspicious. They began to question her, things that, um, just basic stuff that she should know from her day-to-day life. Or, like, for instance, about the trip to Hawaii. And she could not answer any of these questions. Hmm. So, that led them to the conclusion that these messages were definitely not from Brittany. Bethany. Bethany. I do not know why I keep changing that name. I am so sorry about that. And at this point, I'm just doing it in my mind for for no reason. I mean, it did say Brittany up in that other paragraph. Did it? But, yeah. (laughs) On February 19th, her family reported her missing. Bethany's car and all her belongings were still at the apartment she shared with Ronald. There had been no activity on her bank account or on her phone other than the fake Facebook messages. They had not, she had not had contact with any friends or family since January 29th. So it's been a minute since anybody's heard from her. The last person to see Bethany was Ronald. He told the police he last saw her in, in the Ashburn apartment that they shared on January 29th. He said she was in the kitchen when she just left. That sounds familiar. Exactly. And I thought that was interesting because that was almost exactly the way Emil had described the yeah. pizza incident. So I thought that was a little interesting that he described it like that. Oh my gosh. Theory. Go ahead. They're working together. Who? Emil and the boyfriend. I mean, I guess anything's possible. Um, Two black Cadillacs. <laughs> you remember Zane? You sing that yes. song all the time. He's so country. Okay. Anyway, he had no idea where she was going or when she was coming back. He also had no idea what she was wearing at the time. When questioned about her whereabouts, Ronald could not offer a good explanation. And then he began to change his story every time he was questioned. And then he refused to cooperate just outright. Sounds like a stand-up guy. Exactly. When she found out Bethany was missing, Miss Danielle let the police know that... Ronald was suspicious on that day. Um, so, she is, she's a woman's woman because she immediately was like, oh no. Mm-mm. Yeah. He was sketch as all get out. This is what happened. I questioned him. I questioned him this day. I questioned him that day. He forgot about the kids. 
all she like tells what she knows so good for daniel he was known to be controlling and abusive and he was the last person to see her so he was considered a person of interest pretty quickly that's not a shock to anybody right police got a warrant and they were able to get records from facebook showing that bethany and ronald's individual facebook accounts were both accessed from the same ip address specifically ronald's ip address in the beginning of february february 16th to be exact and it continued over the following days so basically they proved he was definitely the one leaving the messages my question is why would you need to fake facebook messages from her if you had no idea where she was and she you were just completely innocent and she because walked out because you murdered her right but i mean if she just really just left the apartment and you just didn't know where she was mm-hmm. you would have no need to do that well, right? how did he explain it away um he didn't A search warrant was executed on Ronald's mother's house, and that turned up Bethany's car keys and key fob. Investigators had no body, no solid proof, and the investigation would stretch out over years. Now, this was in 2011. So, in early 2014, Ronald starts dating a waitress named April. On April 23rd, he saw some text on her phone and accused her of cheating. They got into an argument during which he threw all her belongings into the front yard, spit in her face, grabbed her by the arm, and pushed her down the stairs. Jeez. She pressed charges, but then they reached an agreement where he would pay her $2,500 and she would drop the charges. Not long after that, he began to casually date a woman named Vicki. I'm just going to leave her last name out of it. We're just going to call her Vicki. Okay, this is my reason for leaving her last name out is not because of that. My last, uh, her last name was different in three different news stories. Really? Yes, yeah, so I don't know if she tried to change it to hide from him, but then... Or gay fake ones to hide from him or something yeah. like that. I don't know what the reason for that was. Gotcha. So, but it was weird. Yeah. I mean, I can say Willoughby, but I don't know that it won't change at some point during the story also. <laughs> but I swear this one was different in different newspapers. <laughs> this one wasn't me. This one was different. Okay. Any case... Not long after that, he began casually dating a woman named Vicki Willoughby. They had met when they worked together at the same restaurant. He asked if he could stay with her for a few months until he got on his feet. Never agree. Yeah, red flag. He had his own room, so they did not share a room. They weren't living together romantically, but they were casually dating And he was staying at her house. They did continue to date. He became more and more controlling. He started isolating her from friends and family. And he got mad anytime she spoke to anybody else. Once a friend mentioned seeing Bethany's story on Nancy Grace. And he was named as a suspect. Vicky decides to confront him. And his reaction scared her. So she immediately was like, no, something's not right with this dude. He began to threaten her family and friends to try to get control of her. And he told her, quote, I know how to make people disappear. Vicky was scared for her life. And she decided to move back to a house that she owned in North Carolina. Ronald found out and he became violent and then forced himself into her move. Like, she's trying to get away and he's like, no, no, we're both moving. 
what? <laughs> and so she knew it was a mistake, but she did not know how to stop him. <laughs> I don't know why you look like that. I'm flabbergasted. In October, he grabbed her by the hair and repeatedly slammed her head onto the counter. He told her if she called the police, he would kill her. She was living in fear, but she did not know how to get out. So she got two revolvers and she hid them around the house and she changed their locations all the time so he would not know where they were. She would get up after he would go to bed and she would unlock the front door in case she needed to get out and make an escape in the middle of the night. Jeez, this woman is terrified. She's terrified. On November 11th, he got up and went to the bedroom. She stayed in the living room. Then they had a text conversation. A conversation through text message from separate rooms in the same house. He stormed into the room. He snatched her phone and began attacking her. He slapped her. He punched her. He bit her. He spit on her. He choked her until she blacked out. He actually broke her neck in the attack. He threw her to the ground. He ripped her shirt off and continued to beat and bite her. Oh, my God. She struggled to get away. They were rolling around on the floor. She was quite literally fighting for her life, and she managed to get a hold of one of the guns. He was on her back, forcing her head into the ground, just pounding on her, and she couldn't see, but she turned the gun around backwards in her non-dominant hand and pulled the trigger with her thumb twice. She hit him both times, once in the gut and once just above the heart. She thought this would stop him, but he just became more enraged. He snatched the gun from her and shot the remaining three bullets at her. She covered her head and thought she was about to die. She felt one of the bullets enter her head and she just was finally like, let me, it's over, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die in peace. And oh she just laid down and waited to die, waited for the attack to stop. Death did not come. He was still beating her. She laid there and eventually he got up to check his own wounds. When he went into the kitchen, she thought he was going to get a knife to come finish her off. So she crawled towards the door. She got out, drug herself to her feet and ran topless and bloody through the neighborhood, beating on doors, begging for help. This was at 2 a.m. Oh, my goodness. And remember, he broke her neck Yeah. also. So she's been shot in the face. Yeah. Has a broken neck, and he has been beating on her for hours. At the third house, a man woke up and came downstairs with a gun. He thought he was about to be the victim of a home invasion, and he had already called the police, which is what he yelled as he snatched open the door, but when he looked at her, he realized this was something much worse. He grabbed her and snatched her into his house to safety. When the police arrived, Ronald was still inside her house, and he surrendered without incident. Both were taken to the I to the hospital where Vicky spent five days in ICU and she lost her right eye. Oh my goodness. His trial was something else completely. The judge threw out some of the evidence on a technicality. The judge said that despite both parties having been shot, the police did not have enough evidence of a crime being committed to allow them to search the house and car, making that an illegal search, and therefore all evidence collected could not be presented in court. What? What? Yeah, I'm going to give you a second to think that one through. And, furthermore, recall this. This is her house. This isn't his house. This is her house. So she consents to a search. Well, I think she was probably unconscious, but 
I mean, yeah, I'm sure she'd have been like, hey, no, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. I totally said that even while I was asleep. So, the evidence that could not be presented in court included the gun, the shell casings, the bloodstained clothes, swabs taken, and a lot more. What? So, what could be? It would be a shorter list to tell us what could be. Well, luckily... Put in court. Vicky's testimony was happening, so... In any case, it looked like he actually may get away with shooting her in the face. Wow. Yeah. Bethany's mother came to court and sat with Vicky the entire trial. When they brought Ronald out on the first day, he had a reaction to seeing her, and then he refused to look at her anymore. The judge what asked her... What kind of her, reaction? Like, he was shocked to see her. Oh, Bethany's mom? Yeah. He oh, was okay. shocked that she was there because it's a whole different state too (laughs) so she not only found out but she was like no i'm gonna go sit with this girl and support her and so she did and after he gave the reaction and then he just refused to look at her anymore the judge asked her why she was in court and she was wearing a large square sticker on her shirt And when I say large, I mean like t-shirt size sticker on her shirt that referenced the crime victim's website, Help Save the Next Girl. Yeah. And so you could see it in like all any pictures that were taken or anything. You could legit read this sticker from across the room. It was huge. So the judge says she can't wear that sticker in front of the jury. But, I mean, that was badass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. Anyway, Ronald is sentenced to six years. Six years, that's it? Big whoop. Did did the text message conversation get thrown out? Between them? Yeah, that night. Probably not because part of that would have been on her end and she would have been legally allowed to share. To share. But, I mean, I doubt he texted. I mean, he might have, but I doubt he was like, I'm about to come whoop your ass. I mean, he might. So, I mean, he might have. You're right. Okay, so, we're bringing it back. He serves his time, and he is just about to get out of jail. His sentence is coming to an end. And Loudoun County in Virginia decides now they got to make their move. Yeah. So, they file him, file charges against him for kidnapping Bethany. Yes. They want him extradited back to Virginia, where he is then indicted on second-degree murder charges in December of 2020. So, this has been dragging on. Yeah. The trial is set for August 2021, but in the pretrial, Ronald's lawyer decides he wants Emil's military record to be released because he says Emil was never cleared as a suspect, and he alleges that Emil failed a polygraph test. The sheriff's office did investigate Emil, as they always look into the spouse first. And it's true he was never fully cleared by detectives. That is not uncommon. Yeah. I found by researching this. It sounds like a huge thing, but it's not actually that uncommon. In most cases, when a case is left open, they don't clear anybody. Right. Officially. Because it's hard to know... Because you may have find the body and then find that, you know, they were murdered with a weapon specific to this person. Yeah. And you would not have that evidence unless you found the body, which they have not. So, it's not that uncommon that they, anybody that was investigated is just left open. They will say, we don't think this man did it, but officially... They don't generally remove somebody from a suspect list. Got it. The judge, though, says that that's true. And so, he says, well, you can't have everything. Because they want everything. They want disciplinary, financial. They want everything going back to 
when he first joined up. They want all of it. And the judge is like, a lot of this is unnecessary. Yeah. It's none of your business about his finances or whatever. Which, I don't know if I actually agree with, because if he had hired a hitman, for instance, that would be proven with financials, right? True. So, I don't know. In any case, the judge is like, okay, so they he places an order. I, I was wrong. He placed an order for all the relevant financials. They couldn't have everything, but they could have what was relevant and any of his disciplinary record. Then they rescheduled the trial for February 14th, 2022. But then there was some kind of holdup and it got rescheduled for February 22nd, 2022. Vicki starts speaking out. She believes that Ronald killed Bethany. She said she was glad he stayed behind bars so he couldn't hurt anybody else. She was scared for her safety with him only getting that small amount of time. Yeah. So when they picked him up and took him back to Virginia, she was thrilled. She also mused that the press that the case was getting might spark a potential witness to come forward. And she herself is, she's set to testify. She's ready to go in. Now, back in October of 2021, Ronald's lawyer filed a motion to prevent jurors from hearing that he was abusive to Bethany. What? Before she disappeared. I mean, I guess good lawyer, but still, that's that's awful. And that he was convicted of abusing and shooting Vicky three years later. (laughs) But the judge denied that motion. Thank you. Because we're back in Virginia. So this judge is like, oh, no, dog. So, in January of 2022, his lawyers filed another emergency continuous continuance due to a massive data dump, that's in quotes, that they had received from the prosecution, which included 1.3 terabytes of data and 60,000 files that they were just like, here you go. Now, the, and a lot of them, they could not even get open. The prosecution said, that was not our fault. That was not what we did. That was not us. That was the sheriff's office. They had give us the copies, and we immediately just made copies and gave it to you. That was not our fault. So, they postponed to the February, but then it got postponed again to March. Now, in March of 2022, Ronald's lawyers filed for him to be released on bond due to the fact that there's no real evidence Brittany, Bethany is dead. The judge heard from Vicki during this hearing and after doing so, said that releasing Ronald on bond would pose a potential threat to the community. Motion denied. Yes! Ronald's trial is predicted to last one month and is currently set to begin January 30th, 2023. Bethany's body has never been found. I want to see this case, like, come full circle. I do, too. And so, we'll be paying attention. But it really seems like his lawyer is... um, Pushing back and pushing back. They grasp everything. Yeah. So, which, I mean, that's a good lawyer. You can't yeah. fault them for doing the best they can that's for their, their client. Job. It's their job. But also, is somebody in the community, you don't want this man out on the street no. dating your kids. So, I just want to take a sec to just get back in there and talk again about the number of women in this story that took a stand even though it would have been easier it would have been easier for the baby mama to be like no i don't know nothing yeah she never even had to question where bethany was yeah but for her to to question not once but twice where is she And then make note of her car being in the same spot and just his suspicious action probably led a lot to the police being like, yeah, something's not right. 
it would have been easier for her probably even for the sake of just getting along to just keep her mouth shut yeah she was already out of the situation with him so good for her for doing that for bethany's mom to step up to go support vicky through that entire trial i mean the cost the time the timing of that what she had to just leave behind in her own life to be there for a stranger and the emotional toll that it exactly took to on hear her. to hear what he did with Vicky and know that she had to have thought is that what he did to Bethany yeah so yeah the emotional toll you know the financial expense the the physicality of just being there and facing this man I mean, and then for Vicky to turn around and be like, oh, no, I'm coming to Virginia and I'm going to testify and we're going to get him locked up. I fully believe he killed Bethany and we're going to get him locked up for it. I'm going to testify. And for her to recount her story when she already got the little bit of justice she got. Yeah, that was not enough justice. No, not at all. I mean, she lost her entire eye. Yeah. She's emotionally scarred for life also. And physically. And physically. I mean, all of this, and for her to come back and then try to get some justice also for for Bethany and her family is just amazing. Yes. And that's, I don't know, I love to see that. I love when women stand up for each other. I, I wish it happened more often. And I wish that it could have happened in a way that would have saved them all. Yes. But in any case, we all need to be watching for the red flags. And we need to be watching each other's backs. Exactly. And if somebody's telling you, hey, are you seeing these red flags? Even if you don't maybe just take a breath and step back and try to look at it from if this was your daughter yeah would you want her treated the way you're being treated yeah if this was your mother or your sister or your best friend would you want her to be treated in the same way would you feel good about her being in this situation would you feel safe Exactly. Would you feel that she is safe in this situation? Exactly. And if you can't answer definitely yes, then you need to check the red flags. What do you do? Because sometimes when you're in a situation, you will overlook it. You'll be like... It's not really that bad. Yeah, it's it's not that bad. But if you take yourself out of it a second and put your own kid in that situation or your own loved one in that situation or your son even for that matter because that happens all the time too if you put somebody you love in that exact same situation and the exact same thing happened the exact same way would you be able to say oh it's okay it's not that bad or would you be like, no, uh-uh, you need to, this is not right. You need to get out of this situation. So what are the steps once you realize that your spouse is being abusive, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, sexual, what are the steps? What's the first step in getting help? The most dangerous time for any woman is escaping abuse. Yes. That is the time that you are the most likely to be murdered. So, the not everybody can contact the police. Sometimes these people have connections in the police. Sometimes the police do not take it seriously. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes there have been several, you know, times that the police have been called to these people's house, maybe, to... You know, they've had issues in the past where they've called the police and they come out and, you know, a a report gets filed, but, you know, nothing happens of it. So, there is a record of it sometimes. So, what's the next step if calling the police is not... 
The um, domestic violence hotline can help put you in contact with a local agency, a woman's shelter. There is an app that, and it escapes me so, right off. Uh, Life360? No, but that is a terrific one. Talk about that. Life360, um, you can basically put a tracker on, you know, loved ones' uh, phones pretty much. And you share your location. So, you know, if you, you know, are going, say you're in college. When I was in college, you know, I could give this to my mom and she would know, you know, I'm going, you know, three streets down. And if I suddenly disappear, she knows my last location, you know. Uh, not just that, but, you know, not just in an abuse relationship but if you're dating if you're online dating or something if you're going to pick up something that you're buying yeah from someone that is super important it gives you kind of like a lifeline and you can also see like you know this you know so and so takes the same route every day and today they're going on a different route today it's a little different maybe i should call and check on and see you know or if they're way out of their scope of what's normal for them in their area, you can also be like, hey, that's not right. And it gives you like a quicker kind of like call to action, quicker, oh, this person might be in trouble. I mean, not necessarily always in trouble, but, you know, just in case. Yeah, and I mean, there are a lot. Okay, so there is an app called Aspire. And it can be downloaded on your phone, and it is a hidden app. It, um, I'm not even going to say what, but it would be like a, let's just say, photo gallery app is what it looks like. That's not what it is, but I'm not going to say what it does look like. But it has a fake icon. Mm -hmm. So you can put in there, um... For it to, if you hit the button, I think it's if you double click it or something, it will either automatically call 911 mm-hmm. and send them your location, or it will call a pre selected person and you can record a voice message and let them know that you're in trouble and it sends your location where you are right then. Yeah. So if, for instance, something was going down and you know you can get to your phone you just double click it it doesn't look like you're calling anybody it doesn't look like you're dialing 911 the abuser will not see this yeah and it will send your location and let them know that you are in trouble and need help right now yeah so that is a terrific one there are also um a couple of other ones that are in the same genre uh docusafe is one that is supposed to be really good. It's where you can collect your evidence and um, have everything in one spot. There's one called My Plan Mm -hmm. that will help you get resources and help you plan out if you need to leave an abusive relationship. On top of that, I mean, we've seen women do ingenious things where they call to order a pizza from 911. Yeah. Um, things like that. Hopefully, you get a good nine one one operator. Yeah. But, but these apps, if if you are even in a relationship that you are like, maybe I need to think about it. Just download one of the apps. If you're not, just download one of the apps and just have it. Just, just in case. In the back pocket. Just in case. You never know. I mean, you could be at Walmart and somebody grab you up. Yeah. And you know, you may have time to hit that app real quick. Yeah. You don't have to wait on it to connect and everything. It automatically sends your location. So uh, that will go out immediately, even if the person then takes your phone and does something with it. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to do. But the most important thing is for you, for any kids that you may have, you deserve to be in a happy, safe relationship, and if you are not, if you are not in a relationship that you would be happy to see a loved one of yours in, then it's time to protect yourself and get out. And your family. And your family. Because so, sometimes this doesn't just 
fall on, you know, the spouse that's being abused, but it falls on the children as well. And and other family members. I mean, time after time we've seen... Your mom, your dad, people Where somebody will show up at the house and, and kill a whole family. Yeah. You know, when they're an abuser. And, and I literally saw a thing today where a lady was doing an interview. And she said she had a restraining order on her ex-boyfriend. And he broke it seven times before the cops would do anything. And the only reason she literally had the police show up at her he had left um gifts and a note that said we can work this out you need to call me and she called and said he broke the restraining order and the police officer literally said to her i'm not gonna let you ruin this man's life when you have no proof it was him that sent this what yes she literally the only reason the police in her town did anything was because this man was in her house and she shot him in the foot and then held him at gunpoint and when they came in they immediately threatened to shoot her it said drop the gun and she said i'm not she called 911 and she said he's in my house and i've shot him and if he moves, I'm going to shoot him again. And the 911 operator said, uh, just go outside and wait on the police. No. And she said, I absolutely will not. Because the police keep telling me that they have to catch him in the act of breaking this restraining order. And he's standing in my bedroom. They're going to catch him this time. And she stood there with a gun on him the entire time until they finally came in. And then they immediately were like, drop the gun. And she said, no, I'm not going to drop the gun. Which, if a policeman tells you drop the gun, you need to drop the gun. But I understand her emotional response to, are you even going to do anything if I drop the gun? Yeah. And they immediately put her in handcuffs and took her out. And then one of the policemen, a female police officer that she had talked with previously, came up and was like, get the handcuffs off of her now. And, uh, and they were like, it's fine. He is going to jail. And that female officer followed it through to make sure he would actually Good go to jail. for her. Yes. But he was sentenced to... 23 months in jail. What? He served half of it, I believe. Oh, my God. But, hopefully, by the fact that she did shoot him and told him she'd shoot him again, and he did believe her because he did not make another move. (laughs) So, um, hopefully, by that, he'll be like, let me find, well, I don't want to say hopefully, he'll say, let me find a new victim, but... Hopefully, yeah. he'll change his alone. ways yeah. and leave this woman alone. But he's out there in the world somewhere. That's terrifying. <clears throat> I also heard a statistic that, I mean, this was talking about, uh, I was listening to another podcast, and it was talking about teen uh, romantic violence, um, and it's one in three. That's crazy. Yes. That was the statistic. Can you imagine what it is for adults? Yeah, People who have, like, separate lives. Yeah. And people that nobody's looking at. Nobody's watching to say, why are you acting weird? Yeah. Or whatever. I mean. So, no, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You know somebody that's being abused right now. You just don't know it. And, and you're not stupid for staying. And, and people aren't going to judge you for that. But you do need to put yourself first. And just get out of the situation. And if somebody, It's easier said than done. But, yeah. but you can do it because look at what you've done so far. So you have the strength to do what it takes to get out and protect yourself. And if one of your family is saying, hey, look at these signs... I know it's easy to... I know that sometimes pushes you to... Defend? Yeah, to defend. But remember that these people are speaking out of love. And they care about your safety. So, maybe just take a look at what's going on. 
again, look at it as if it was your sister, your brother, your daughter, your son, whatever. Yes. All right, well, that's enough of the heaviness for this episode. I wished I had a funny story to tell, yeah, but I, I can't know. think mm-hmm. of one. I will tell y'all that we went camping this weekend. And we had fun, and we took the baby on. We The baby had his first camping overnight. Yes. He was a little butt munch, and he screamed a He lot. does not sleep right now. He's going through a, I guess he's going through a growth spurt or something where he doesn't sleep. He's fussy constantly, and he is clinky. Yeah. So, he's in there right now screaming because I'm not in there holding him. But, I mean, it's he's been going there, on for two weeks. So. He's in there with his aunt, and he yeah. is safe, and he is dry and fed. But he just wants his mommy right now. Yeah. And she's in here ignoring him. <laughs> yeah. So, this poor little thing. But, he ate his first s'more on the camera. Oh, trip. my goodness. He was so cute. If I'm you're friends so with me on Facebook, I posted all the pictures. I do um, monthly update pictures of him, and I theme them. And, this month was s'mores. Next month will probably be fall themes, because the fall officially starts next month. Oh, you could do a, a school theme, too. Because, you know, people say school starts in September, even though it doesn't here. Yeah, I don't know anywhere that has school starts in September. I think up north, school starts in September. Hmm. My, when I was a kid, school started after Labor Day. Yeah. But I don't know why they changed it, but now school starts early. Zane's old school, school started after Labor Day. Yeah. So you could do that. But I think up north they still do that. Well, um... Then that's still up in the air. I have a couple more ideas that I kind of like. So, I'm running out of months of the year. And most of them are already taken with other holidays. Bigger holidays like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So, I'm running out of months here to do fun things. You could do his half month birthday shoot. Yeah. You could just model him because he's so cute. Yup. He's so cute. He is. Uh, I can't believe I didn't have anything funny. Well, something. Well, no, I'm not going to tell that story because that's embarrassing for me, not other people's. <laughs> <laughs> what story? I've been trying to drink more water. And so I bought me this little jug thing. And, yeah. Um, it looks like a water jug, like you put in the water, fil- fil- not filter, the water dispenser thing that yeah. makes hot and cold water. It looks like that, but miniature. And it holds like eight cups of water. Okay. And I was, because I struggle with water. I struggle. But they put me on this new um, iron pill, and I'm supposed to drink plenty of water with it. And so, um, I'm like, I'm going to drink it today. Which, I, I don't even know what I was thinking. But I did drink on it, and I drank on it. And then I went and took Zane to his football practice, and... I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I'm drinking on it, and I'm drinking on it. Well, his practice gets out at whatever time, but it doesn't yesterday. And so, but I'm still here drinking on this water. And so, I'm like, man, he needs to hurry up. And so, it's got like an inch and a half left in the bottom of it. And I'm like, let me just kill it. In my mind, that inch and a half of water is what pushed me over the edge. (laughs) By the time that boy got in the car, I was like, man, I really got to go to the bathroom. But you know how I got that germ thing and I don't don't do, like, bathrooms in... Public bathrooms. Yeah, I don't don't like to do public bathrooms. I will in a restaurant if I have no choice. But this particular place where we are has no restaurants. (laughs) They're all like sit down restaurants where yeah. you gotta be seated. So um I'm like, it's cool, I'll just risk it. And so I'm bringing him um I'm coming to meet Billy and so I'm like thirty minutes from his school and so I'm driving and I'm driving and it is starting to get uncomfortable. 
<laughs> and then I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I'm about to bust. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm so uncomfortable. And um, he's like, just pull over and go to the bathroom. Which, okay, I'm not bougie. In certain situations, I would have. This is broad daylight. Yeah. First off. Second off, there is, although it's rural... It's what's there. So, that's the roads everybody's traveling. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, they're rural roads where it's woods on both sides. But there's cars coming. Like, yeah. you're not going to have more than 30 seconds to a minute before a car passes. And I'm like, can you see me out here with my big butt <laughs> just out in the wind and people riding by talking about, that's Zane's mama. And, uh... He's like, oh, yeah, that would be embarrassing. Don't do that. (laughs) Thank you. So, anyway, we go. I got to, like, ease across. I'm not even in my car, but I'm going across the railroad tracks like I am. (laughs) I'm barely moving. So, we get up here on the main road, and I am like, I'm not going to make it. I am not going to make it. (laughs) But at this point, I'm so full that I'm not even sure it's just pee. Like, I I think it's everything. Oh, no. Everything at this point. I am sweating. So, of course, what happens, but there's a a pickup truck and an 18-wheeler in front of me, right? Both of them all over the road. I'm like, did these dudes attend a party together or what? Why are they all over the road? Cannot pass. The truck is in the left lane. He's hanging back enough where I can't get between him and the truck. Mm. So I can't pass either one of them, but he's also in all the lanes. So I'm like, I can't pass him unless I'm sure I can get around him. Yeah. And so uh, I'm like panicked. And Zane goes, hey, if this guy hits us and you poop yourself, can I have permission? (laughs) Can I have permission to say the cuss word? Because <laughs> he wanted to be able to say the S word if I pooped myself if we got hit. And I'm like, I assure you if we get hit, saying it is going to be the least of your worries. Because you're probably going to be covered. <laughs> We're going to flip and everything's just going to come no. everywhere. It's going to be a tragedy. And uh, so he was like, oh, that's gross. I'm like, you're telling me I am sweating. I come I come in hot up in this driveway. <laughs> I slammed it in park and dove out. Thank God I wasn't in my car because it would probably been in, in uh, the neighbor's house. And so <laughs> I dive out and I'm like, get my stuff. And I run. I run to the bathroom. And uh, I get in there and then I was like, Oh, aren't you so lucky that nobody was in that bathroom? I know. That's what I told him. I was like, I'm going to open that door. Somebody's going to be in the bathroom. I'm kicking the door in. I am just kicking (laughs) it in. I can imagine it. You get me up and squat. I'm going to sit on their lap. I don't know what to tell you. You better be finishing up because I'm going to kick that door in and come in and visit with you while we go because I do not have time to be wasting (laughs) In any case, he did not get my stuff out of the truck. And then at 5 o'clock this morning, I get a phone call from my husband saying, Hey, uh, I got your purse, which has my car key in it. Oh, no. And I'm like, no. And he's like, uh, I can bring it, but I'll have to miss work. Okay, but it's his second day of work. Because he just got rehired on. Because yeah. you know how they get laid off. And yeah. they rehire with a different company. Well, he just started with this company yesterday. And so, I'm like, no, don't do that. And I'm like, he'll just miss. And then I'm like, no, because Zane is starting a new class today. So, he also cannot miss. So, I'm mad. I've got this random key from the dealership that they said did not crank the car but would unlock the door, and it does. And it would not crank the car. Well, I get this bright idea to change the battery in it and see if it works. My second option, which I had already got in my head, was 
to try to reprogram my old key from my old challenger yeah to see if i could make it work because they've been sending out warnings to us that you can't use your key fob in public because they're getting um sought now because whoever has a key fob can catch your signal or something and then clone your key fob in the parking lot and i've had like um three of the women in my challenger group there's cars have gotten stolen Jeez. my next my next thing would have been to go borrow miss bertha's car but i never even thought of it honestly (laughs) my third option was to call you and tell you to come early to bring the baby yeah so so that i could um get you to take him to school yeah that was my third option honestly never thought about that I thought about calling Kathy, but then I was like, she's got to get her kid to school. <laughs> I was like, man. Jeez. In any case, I changed the battery in this key fob that I've had for a year that I've been complaining because I need a new key fob. And it actually worked. And then I felt stupid because I haven't used it all year. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my thing. That was how my day was this morning. But I, Billy was like, I hope your day gets better. But I was like, it did because the new key fob's like 300 bucks. Yeah. So I got one here that works now. So now I got a spare key. So I feel like it did get better. Yeah. Got to look at the bright side. Yeah. In any case, that's all I got. Yeah. Okay. So. You um, No. All right. Well, I guess we'll see y'all here next week. Bye. Share it with who? Oh, I forgot to share it. Share it with somebody that owns a boat. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, bye. bye.